And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with us today is Jason Jones. He's a Christian film producer, an author, and a human rights worker. Jason, it's a privilege to have you on with us today. Uh, The privilege is mine, Dan. Thanks for having me on your show. An email came across the other day, and it was regarding China. To date, they've had this one-child policy for a long time. Supposedly, that's being changed now. And yet, there's a tie-in here with their current thinking and their two-child policy now with what appears to be Planned Parenthood philosophy. Uh, Those two seem at opposite poles, perhaps, in some people's minds. But, Jason, maybe you can walk us through what's involved here. And maybe to get us started, what to date has been China's policy regarding children? Yeah, well, it is startling that at the root of so much evil in the 20th, 20th century, now the 21st century, you find this woman, Margaret Sanger. And this woman, Margaret Sanger, actually was not alone. She represented a very popular belief in racial, what they would have called racial hygiene or eugenics. And they weren't for, um, you know, they, they didn't think that not anyone should have children, but they wanted to limit which ethnicities, which uh, folks in different social classes had children. And uh, the reason I decided to write with my um, writing partner, John Zmerich, on this is I was horrified when the news came out that, quote-unquote, China was um, ending its one-child policy. That's not, that's not true. Um, what is true is that the Chinese policy of forced abortions will go on, will continue. Uh, the Ch- China's policy of uh, con- taking control of women's reproduction uh, will continue on, as it has now for a generation and what the policy is, is we think that um, every woman in, in China is allowed one child, but that's not true. I've, my wife is actually Chinese, and I live in Hawaii. I have a lot of friends from China. I went to the University of Hawaii. And I, I've heard horror story after horror story of women who weren't allowed to have any children because in their political district there were too many children at a given time, uh, according to some bureaucrat. Or maybe their first child was... Um, there was, there was no permanent granted for the first child, so they were forced to have an abortion. A very powerful woman in China shared with me her story, which was she was forced to have her first child aborted, and then when she was finally given permission to have a child, they discovered that the first abortion destroyed her ability to have children. Mm. And what shocks me about how the mainstream media has been covering this lifting of the Chinese one-child policy, we're told by the secular Humanists were told by the media that it's all about choice. And, but I don't hear an outcry from the left over China's one-child policy. I don't see NARAL or Planned Parenthood or feminist groups horrified that the state of China is, only, that is now going to tell women they can have two children. And that's because the folks who call themselves pro-choice, who claim to care about radical autonomy for women, that's not true. They are anti-child, anti-life. Could you imagine if Russia tomorrow came out with a forced two-child policy? Imagine Putin declared that every woman in Russia will be forced to have two children. Well, we would all be rightfully horrified, and you know the left would also shout from the rooftops, as well they should. Um, But just a celebration now that the state is going to allow women to have two children. And now where does this come from? Well, it comes from Margaret Sanger, who in the early 20th century 
was advocating for a baby code, was advocating during the Great Society that there should be a, a license to have children similar to a marriage license, that women shouldn't be allowed to bear more than one child, and if someone was came from what she would consider bad lineage because of their ethnicity or maybe criminal behavior in the background or mental retardation, that then they would be forcibly sterilized. And in fact, forcible sterilization in the United States was very common and it existed until the early 1970s. That is amazing. You know, when I hear those words, Jason, it, they just shock me, and yet I know they're true. Our background here is, as Christians is that we love children, and I, I was reading your bio a little bit, and I realized, wow, this guy lives in Hawaii with his wife. They have seven children, and you know, aren't children just a wonderful gift from God when you when you look at them and experience them? You know, I became a father uh, at eighteen, and you know, I wasn't prepared. I guess you could say. But I became prepared. It manned me up. And I remember that when I cut my son's umbilical cord, just looking down on him, and I'm just grateful. I was an atheist for my first 12 years involved in the pro-life movement. I didn't become a Christian until my early 30s. But it's really my children, because their beauty, the source of their beauty, just captivated me. And what the only source, the only explanation that we can find is Christian anthropology, that we are made in the image and likeness of God that we have an incomparable dignity, beauty, and worth. And if you separate the human person from Christian anthropology, from the truth of the human person, we get this degraded subhumanism that treats uh, human beings as pets that can be spayed and neutered, and, and we can dictate their reproduction. And that's why as Christians, and I'll often hear pro-life activists say, we need to articulate our opposition to abortion in secular language. And, of course, there's a, there is a, a place for that, but that place is very small. Um, most of the time, you know, when we're promoting human dignity, we have to tell the truth. And the truth is that we are made in the image and likeness of God. We have an incomparable beauty that every human being, from the moment of their biological beginning, deserves legal protection from violence. And beyond that, uh, violence to the vulnerable should be unthinkable to the innocent and the vulnerable should be unthinkable. And, you know, you're right, Dan. You know, as a father, I look at my children, and I'm in awe. And I'm just overwhelmed with gratitude. But this ideology of subhumanism makes us afraid of children. You know, the, the, I hear the language of the pro-choice community, quote-unquote pro-choice community, and they all really have this irrational fear of children. I became a father at 18. I had two children by the time I was 19. I was practically illiterate, but I grabbed myself by my bootstraps, and I manned up because I wanted to be the type of father that they deserved. And when we as a society abandon our own vulnerable children, there's, not, there's nothing left. If, if we can't see God and see human dignity and children, we're lost. My, my six-year-old said to me the other day when he was looking at Andrew, my youngest, who's two, he said, Daddy... Why are babies so cute? They're just so cute. <laughs> I can stare at Andrew all day. <laughs> and so my six-year-old son gets it. And that's our mission as Christians, and that's what I try to do as a filmmaker. I want everyone to have the grace to see their neighbor, their children, the way that we do. Mm, amen. Children are 
a heritage, a, a gift from the Lord, uh, God tells us in his word. And going back to China now, you mentioned your wife is Chinese. Um, in our family, we have a daughter-in-law who is Chinese. And so uh, we have a, a heightened interest in, in the land of China. And it's a it's a large land, many people. What is it, like about 1.4 billion people in China? Yeah, a billion. There are 400 million missing people. Yes. Um, and the, the, the disproportionate majority of those women. And here is the sad thing, and I have interns that work for my company from China, and I, I, I share with them very openly. And, you know, this isn't Chinese culture. This is degraded Western culture. This is really Christian heresy, because Marxism is a Christian heresy. And so this is the, the Chinese people have been oppressed by this degraded heresy of Marxism, of totalitarian socialism, that came from the coffee houses and salons of 18th century France, 19th century England, and now the people of China are oppressed by this ideology. Their, their culture traditionally had huge families, and this is the danger of ideologies. And I meet so many Christians, too, that in the West, who now still, without understanding, they, they fall for this population control nonsense that sees the preborn child as sort of a holocaust or a sacred offering that we must destroy the child in the womb so that we can be saved. And when you hear the Chinese government officials talk about their one-child policy, they talk about it as if they're doing a great service to mankind, that, that we should thank them for sacrificing 400 million people, 400 million of their own children for the good of the world. Mm. And I always tell them this, you know, I, I am scared to death. And the world should be horrified that a nuclear power a country that's jockeying for hegemony with the United States for the 21st century, that many people think the 21st century, which I do not, I think the one-child policies in many ways doom them, but that there are those who think that, you know, this will be the Chinese century. Um, I don't like a country having nuclear weapons that can force their own daughters to have abortion. Mm. And Mother Teresa had said that the fruit of abortion is nuclear war. And um, I hope that's not I hope that's not a prophecy. Yeah, really. And Archbishop Fulton Sheen of New York said in the 1970s that uh, a country that can abort its own children will have no no problem obliterating distant foreign cities with nuclear weapons. Yes. And so what, we have a country like China, where government officials I have I have friends who are high ranking government officials who have who have shared with me with broken hearts the stories of their wives' forced abortions. And I'm like, but well, you're a powerful man in a high-ranking position. And they tell me, you know, people at the top, they're the ones that can't get away with anything. If I was mid-level, I could bribe, I could skate, I could sneak through. But everyone can see those of us at the top. Mm. And so we're the ones that are most forced to abide by the, these policies. So how horrifying is that? That even the men, in the most men and women in the most powerful positions in their government have been forced by the state to have abortions. Mm. You know, you've touched on a, an important theme here, Jason, and that is um, population control. And um, people sometimes fall into the trap of uh, limited resources and say, okay, we don't have enough of this, that, the other thing, therefore we can't sustain too many people. But um, my belief, and I believe the Scripture teaches us, that people really are our greatest resource. And this world is not overpopulated. 
No, we like to live around each other. You know, I've flown all over the world. I've flown over Africa. I've flown over Europe. I fly over North America about four times a month. And I always look out the window, and you know what I see? Vast space. Now, we like to live by each other. We want to live in cities. Mm -hmm. We like to live in big communities. Most of us, we daydream about living on a ranch in Wyoming, but we're not going to do it because... We like our being near our family, our friends, our neighbors. We like, like having access to culture and museums and activities. We live together. There's plenty of resources. We've been hearing since the 17th century that we're running out of resources. And the fact is we've never had more abundance. And I would say this, that the free market, which we're working to destroy, um, but the free market is the only economics that's compatible to the truth about the human person, that they're free. That is so true, and it goes along, of course, with the Ten Commandments, uh, that of not stealing. Um, We believe it's wrong for a government to come in and extract from one part of society, give it away to another part of society, and uh, it's basically legalized thievery. And, And you're right, the free market naturally flows from a Christian worldview. And, and, and it is really ob- obliterated. In our country, it is obliterated, really, the differences of, of, in, of income. You know, people making $50,000 a year have access to almost everything that people making a million dollars a year have. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and um, you know, most of our homeless, and it has to do with mental illness or drug abuse. Where I live in Los Angeles part-time, on the corner of Hollywood and Vine, there's a homeless gentleman who watches streaming live television all day long while smoking marijuana on the corner of Hollywood and Vine, laughing his head off. Yeah, You know, this, we live in a society, I remember growing up in the 70s, early 70s, watching television shows, and there were programs about help the poor malnourished children in Appalachia, in our own country. But that doesn't happen. You know, we've, we've, we've grown, we're productive, we have access to opportunity, I was raised in Section 8 housing by a single mom, and in this country I've been given every opportunity in the world. But when you have a centralized, state-controlled government, they see people as a burden, and you're going to have abortion and euthanasia and assisted suicide, and and this is tragic. Yes. Now, there was another um, term you used, and I didn't know much about it. Um, Today we're talking on the phone line with Jason Jones, He's a film producer, author, and a human rights worker. Um, Jason, you talked about something called American Baby Code, uh, going back to this whole thing with Margaret Sanger. What was that all about? Yeah, so in um, 1934, Margaret Sanger floated what she called the American Baby Code. So FDR was taking over control of vast, um, just was seizing control of the American economy. And a lot of our liberties were lost during the Great Depression, and we haven't gotten them back. That's true. But so she advanced, she tried to take advantage of these, this great, um, this tragic uh, push forward by the state in the United States. And, and so uh, she used the Depression to advance what she called the Baby Code. And uh, Article 1 said that the purpose of the American Baby Code shall be to provide for a better distribution of babies to assist couples who wish to prevent overproduction of offspring and thus reduce the burdens on charity, taxation, public relief, and to protect society against the unfit. Oh, my. And in another letter she wrote to her major donor, we need to keep it a secret that our goal is to exterminate the Negro people. And she saw, you know, uh, black Americans, Asians, 
uh, and others, Jews, as um, being unfit. Mm. Article 3 said, A marriage license shall in itself give a husband and a wife only the right to a household, not the right to parenthood. So, so she was saying, so Planned Parenthood talks about the right to choose, is saying that the state must, even, even married couples have to go to the state for permission to have children. Yes. Now, which is ironic about this, in the 1960s, the Supreme Court case that led to the decriminalization of contraception said, well, shouldn't a husband and a wife decide to have, if they want to take contraception, but this was it being advanced by the very same woman who had just a few, uh, just two decades before, three decades before, had tried to push that married couples would need permission from the state to have one child. You know, it's shocking to me when I hear the words, as you used before, a license to have children. It's shocking right now, but what I fear, uh, quote-unquote fear, is that if we continue moving in the direction of not having a constitutional republic based on Christian principles, but move toward having a socialistic entity, um, more and more we will move towards uh, seeing this sort of thing, needing a license to have children. Yeah, no, and you'll hear, and I'll see in the blogosphere, this is a growing, this is an opinion that becomes very popular, mm. especially as people become, you know, we become selfish, we become, we uh, with technology, we, we, we turn inwards, and people aren't being, they aren't married, young people aren't even in committed relationships, let alone marriages. So we as Christians, we have inherited, I always say this to my children, we are, are doubly privileged. We're the most privileged people in the world, in the history of the world. First of all, by God's grace, we know Him and love Him, and we are Christians. And that is the biggest, that is the greatest privilege anyone could ask for. Secondly, we were born into the United States of America. We were born into a constitutional republic where we are the sovereign, where the law is above the state. Um, where we, we demand that the, the man-made laws co- correspond to God's will, as Martin Luther King would always remind us in his letters and in his articles. And that, that is a privilege. Going back to the Magna Carta, in the, in the English-speaking world, we have over a thousand years. We have a, now it's actually literally a, 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 a thousand years, just over a thousand years. Is the, the, we just had the thousandth anniversary of knowing that there is a law above even kings. And now when we hear people argue that Hillary Clinton is too big to jail, that maybe she broke the law, and I don't mean to go off topic, but when you see something like that, when you hear the mainstream media say that, no, nobody is above the law. Mm. And how beautiful that, that we know that there is a law above even the state that we have recourse to. And an unjust law is, in fact, no law at all. There is no law permitting the destruction of a child in the womb. There is no force to that. It is not valid. No. So we as Christians need to, to, we have the duty, we have a duty that the privilege of being American is thrust upon us, and that is to pass liberty on to our posterity. That's it. And every generation's had it. My grandfather had to fight, not, had to fight the Nazis in Europe, and then he fought the communists in Korea, and now my son stands guard in Korea. Mm. But every generation has this, and, and this is ours. We just need 
We need to stand up and do our duty. You know, I'd like to end on a very uh, upbeat note because our Lord Jesus reigns from his heavenly throne and he is bringing uh, the nations to himself. You have done some amazing things, uh, the Lord through you, I'm sure. Uh, after you attended the University of Hawaii, or why you're attending there, prior to that you were in the U.S. Infantry, but then apparently the Lord led you to found the Pro-Life Student Union, and you also served as state chairman of Young Americans for Freedom. It looks like you're putting action to your faith. You know, I... Um as a young man, when I was in the, in the Army, my high school girlfriend uh, was forced to have a third trimester abortion against her will and my will while I was away at basic training. And that, I quote of all people, Malcolm X, you know, Malcolm X famously said, uh, we didn't land on Plymouth Rock, Plymouth Rock landed on us. And I, and I tell folks, well, I didn't choose Planned Parenthood, Planned Parenthood chose me as its adversary. And when they destroyed my child in in her third trimester. And the abortionist actually told my high school girlfriend after the procedure, by the way, you had a little girl. Um, And so at 17, I committed. I didn't know abortion was legal. I had never been to church a day in my life. I was not politically involved. I was just a boy. And I found out that abortion was was legal a few minutes after I found out my daughter was destroyed by the violence of abortion. And then as a young soldier, I had deployed around the world, and that just let me see how privileged I was to be an American, and I, and I, and I knew I could never feel sorry for myself, right. and, and I knew that um, the ball was in my court, and uh, I just said, I'm going to use the word throw, and that's something I've always tried to say is, God, in my prayers, throw me against the culture of death till it breaks or I break, and just keep picking me up and throwing me. <laughs> and... Um, and that's just that's and I, I do this to honor the dignity of my daughter, hmm. but I'm also I'm just blessed that so many times I've had the opportunity to meet young men and young women who've been directly uh, their moms chose life because of projects I've been involved in, and that's a wonderful opportunity. Yeah, that is really a, a wonderful thing when we hear the stories of God saving uh, people, you know, physically as well as spiritually. And uh, before we close, Jason, you've produced some films. Can you tell us a little bit about those? Yeah, so my first movie was Bella, which was in theaters seven years ago this very weekend. It was We opened up in theaters. And uh, another film, I've done several films, but I think um, your listeners would most appreciate or maybe have seen um, another film called The Stoning of Soraya M. And most recently I produced a short film with, Patty Millette, who happens to be the mother of Justin Bieber. And, um, and so that's my mission. My mission is to use film to advance the incomparable beauty of the human person into the broader culture. And just this week, uh, we're soft-launching a new website called yourfilmfund.com, yourfilmfund.com. And what this site does is it allows young filmmakers to crowdsource tax-deductible donations to make their films that advance human dignity, so your listeners can go check that out, too. Oh, that, that's great. You know, we have the view that, that God owns everything, and uh, he's, he's Lord over all, and that includes the arts and the media and the films, and so we're really glad when Christians uh, pour their life into something this important. 
Today on the phone line has been Jason Jones. He's a film producer, author, human rights worker. Jason, thank you so much for taking the time and joining our listeners today. Oh, thank you for having me on your show. And this broadcast is up on our website as a podcast. Check it out. We're found at RedeemerBroadcasting.org. Also, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer. 